What is good, everybody? Welcome to the best of the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. Thank you for giving us part of your time. If you are new to the show, this is where you get the best five minutes from all of our long-form shows during the week. In case you missed something, didn't finish an episode, or just trying us out for the first time, we hope you like it and enjoy. Just a quick reminder, you can hear us 8 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday morning on 95.7 The Game. It's the Gold Standard Network Hour. Me, Levin Black, and Michelle Majuk are here with you for an hour breaking down Niners-Rams and also looking ahead to the bigger picture in the playoffs. Hope you listen to that. Now, without further ado, let's start on Tuesdays with Bully Ball, Steph Sanchez, and Jason Aponte. I got to say, the biggest thing that I walked out away impressed with is Elijah Mitchell back? He's all the way back, man. He's all the way back. Wow. <laughs> hey, that was the best he's looked since his rookie year. Mm, Seriously. Yeah. That was the best he's looked since his rookie year. I mean, it's so nice to know that if he was pressed into duty and, and he's going to get his shot this week again to continue rolling, that maybe maybe Christian McCaffrey doesn't have to be on the field all the time. Or maybe Christian McCaffrey can be split out wide and you can have Elijah Mitchell. This can kind of really open things up a little bit more if you can start to rely on him. But it's really nice to see Elijah Mitchell get back in the mix because, you know, the the injuries and, and even when he's been there, he's looked less than explosive. But that's the best he's looked since his rookie year. And, and you know, I think when he scored the touchdown, which was his first since, what, week 17 of last season or something like that, mm-hmm. I believe, um, they, uh, George Kittle was pretty excited. So I think these guys remember, you know, Elijah Mitchell was the the rookie. He broke the rookie record for rushing. Like, they they pull for this guy, right? Like, so I, I think it was pretty cool to see him get back in there. So, you know, I, I think that's impressive. And I think that was something that I walked away with. Yeah, everyone, you know, gets really frustrated about Elijah Mitchell and man, like he's always hurt. You know, why does he continue to get opportunities, put Jordan Mason in there? But then you see Elijah Mitchell, when he's healthy and he gets his opportunity, he's a really good back. And that's the reason that he gets, uh, you know, his opportunity among other things. Uh, but the fact that McCaffrey had to leave this game, the fact that it was Mitchell's first game back after, you know, multi-week absence, and he was able to put up 80 yards and 4.7 yards per attempt is, you know, that that's impressive and, and it's good to see um, because, yeah, they're going to need that next week. Hopefully they can use that in the playoffs as well. Um, and, yeah, guys, guys like Elijah Mitchell, they pull for him. Um, I'm happy for him. It seemed like the 49ers were maybe playing it safe and in, in keeping him out as much as he did and just trying to get him to 100%. Like we don't, we don't need to rush you back. Let's get you to 100%. He looked like he was 100% on Sunday and those are the results you get. Yeah, that's a that's a really good thing going into the playoffs uh just because, you know, we never know what's going to happen. I know obviously Christian McCaffrey's going to have two weeks off, but Elijah Mitchell being able to be a one-two punch and and kind of give McCaffrey a, a lighter load, it, it would be it would be huge. It really would. So that that's something that was really encouraging coming out of this game. Something else that's very encouraging is that Brandon Ayuk is fucking good at football, man. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I say that out loud. Um, another hundred-yard game. Um, I think there we we talked about it, right? Like Brandon Ayuk, we are we knew was always open, but this thing has been unlocked with Brock Purdy. Like, it's just, it's completely different. Like, their rapport is so different. And, you know, he talked about it. I love doing scramble scramble drill. I love doing it with BA. That connection is so, is so perfect right now, right? And, and that that deep ball, man, what a dime, man, uh, right to Brandon Ayuk. And, I mean, obviously, he had the long one in Tampa Bay. But, you know, 
everybody talks about Brandon Ayuk getting him paid. I think Brock Purdy's getting Brandon Ayuk paid too because of the report that they had, right? Like he's always been this open. He just had, didn't have somebody getting the ball to him um, or putting him in a spot where he can make a play. Now he does. I think, you know, Brandon Ayuk owes Brock Purdy a little bit of money. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, I mean, and I, I think Brandon Ayuk feels the same way, right? Because he got over 1,300 yards on the season and he posted a picture um, to, I guess, like celebrate, commemorate that with a picture of Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy's number 13 and he added two zeros at the end. So to me, that was a little, you know, symbolic, uh, giving some props to his quarterback as well. And yeah, they have great connection, especially on those scramble drills, like you mentioned. And I think that's something that, has always been there with these two this season, like watching the all 22 and watching like all those times that Purdy does escape the pocket. You see Ayuk like move to where his quarterback is going to make sure that he's in good position. And that one touchdown uh, that they had, you know, Brock Purdy told him to move the other way. Okay. Like I appreciate you going that way, but go this way. And they got that touchdown and it was, it was really great to see. I really enjoyed watching that from the all 22 angle because yeah. you can see how quickly Brandon Ayuk reacts to it like a lot of people in the comments are like he stopped on a dime yeah he did man and that's oh. just the the type of receiver that he is and the type of movement that he has and why he's open as often as he is and you mentioned another 100 plus game for him that's the seventh of the season he tied Jerry Rice uh, for third most such games in a season in franchise history uh, so BA is going to get a bag this season and he this offseason, he definitely deserves it. On Wednesdays, Grant Cohn stops by. We call it Stats and Cohn. The Niners have to win this this year. We saw in 2020, right? We thought that was going to be the Niners. They were going to come back. Guess what? They didn't even make the playoffs. They were awful. They got hit by injuries. Your circumstance did not align to right. help get back here. This is your chance right now, and there's no excuses left. You're healthy. You've got the bye, two weeks of a bye, essentially. you got to win it. There's no excuse left this year for you. I mean, you're a fan of the team. I'm not. Don't, I mean, tell me you, your heart didn't skip a beat when you saw the trainers tape it up, Christian McCaffrey's thigh. I mean, calf. that was terrifying, right? And you found out the good news. It, it was okay, but that's football. You're always one moment away for, like that from having everything change. And so far, the Niners have essentially sidestepped all of that this year for a very long time. We don't know what's really going on with Eric Armstead, but they probably could win a Super Bowl without him if it came down to it, frankly as good as he is. Yes. So they're okay for now. And I mean, they lost Talanoa Hufanga for the year, right? That was a starter. It was a, but it was a long-term injury. Now, luckily Jair Brown has looked good, although now he's banged up. Um, Trent Williams got hurt. Like he has pretty much every year of his career for the last four or five years. They're able to manage that, but they haven't had, they've had most of their offense, most of the year, which is not something you've been able to say usually. And we see the results. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, this is the year. This got to be the year. There's a lot of pressure on all of them to come through because if they lose at any point, if, I mean, if they lose in the Super Bowl, I guess it would be understandable. There's some good teams in the AFC, but they'd lose in the NFC playoffs. Someone's going to get scapegoated for that. There is just such high expectations in here. It must be tough. I asked Kyle Sanahan a couple, like this week, or maybe it was last week, last week, you know, there's a lot of high stakes football coming up. Is this time of year fun for you? And he was like, it's a grind. Like he was, was, answer was no, not really. Like this is what we live for, but there must be just so much pressure. And he he wants to be a Hall of Famer. He wants to be looked at as the greatest, and a lot of stake for him this year for we his legacy. See, 
with Kyle. He wears the losses, man. There's that picture of him in the locker room. I forget. It might have been 2020. I forget what year it was where he's leaning up against like that, that equipment cart. And he has this faraway look in his eye. Like, I don't know if I can deal with this anymore. <laughs> he wears it. So I'm sure he, everything that we're saying, I'm sure he thinks about that every night when his head hits the pillow. I'm, I'm, I would bet the mortgage on it that he thinks the same thing. Like if I can't win it this year, I don't know if I'll ever win it. Well, I think the he's had three NFC championship runs and each time he could sort of play the, the card that he was exceeding expectations. 2019, no one thought he'd go 13 and three. That team was ahead of schedule and young. And then two years ago, like they had drafted Trey Lance. They were supposed to be transitioning away from Jimmy Garoppolo. And yet they find a way back to the NFC championship game with Jimmy and lose, but still Jimmy gets scapegoated and Kyle's the genius. And again, last year they do it with Brock Purdy off the bench, starting week 13. Again, Kyle looks looked at as the genius this year. It's like, dude, you got the best supporting cast, the first team to ever have four guys with a thousand yards and the quarterback was in the MVP conversation. And like, you have no excuses. If you lose in the NFC Championship game, you can't point to anything other than yourself. And we don't expect them to lose in the NFC Championship. We don't. But that's what must be at stake. He knows what's at stake for him. It must be a lot of pressure, but he's built for it, I think. But doesn't the year that the Niners have had offensively with the four guys with a thousand yards from scrimmage, doesn't that back up the idea that Kyle Shanahan is a genius? True to who much is given, much is expected. Oh, no, no, no doubt. No doubt, for sure. I'm just saying he knows his legacy. Well, is at stake in the playoffs. And if he loses in the first round, God forbid, that's what people are going to remember about this season. It'll even make his accomplishments seem like, oh, geez, you had all that and you couldn't get it and you lost in the first round, huh? He ain't losing in the first round. He's not losing in the first round, no. Thursdays is the original gold standard podcast with myself and the human wet blanket, Levin Black. This is an opportunity to sort of take a breath and just acknowledge the incredible season that the 49ers have had and are having. I looked it up, Levin, the defense this year. Like, I don't care about whatever happens in this game because whatever. They're seventh in the league in yards allowed, 307 yards per game. In 2022, they were first in the league in yards allowed. They gave up 300 yards per game. So for all the hand-wringing and criticism of Steve Wilkes, this defense is seven yards per game worse. Are you sure on those statistics? Yeah. You got to put them up on the screen. I don't trust you. <laughs> I, look, I think this this team has done a good job of putting teams away. And so teams have had to abandon their offense that might have had some traction, that it might have found some success. I think it, it's one of those things, yeah, if you look at the statistics, they're seven yards worse. But if you watched every game as we have, you can tell there's a little bit of a difference here. And there are certain times where this defense has been off and the other team's been able to move the ball at will. And that's what scares you. It's not that they're necessarily as bad throughout the whole game. It's that if the other team finds the right recipe, they can move the ball at will. And this team has no uh, answer for that. M. Patel says, how about points? It was expected to regress from number one. That's something you and I talked about, how this defense has been so good for so long, and that's very hard to do in the NFL. In 2022, they gave up 16.3 points per game. That was best in the league. This year, they gave up 
17.3 points per game, second best in the league, one point worse per game. Now, again, they, they have another game left. I just want to point that out, but I'm trying to do it now because who cares what they do in this meaningless game when mm-hmm. half the starters are going to be on the bench anyway. But, I mean, technically, yes, they did regress, but damn, that's pretty good. Right. But even look at, like, last week. You can come out of that game and say, hey, they gave up 10 points. What are you complaining about? Or you can look at this commander's team lost a whole bunch of people. The pass rush didn't get home, despite being a terrible pass blocking team to begin with and being down multiple starters. And in that first half, they did find success. They were moving that ball. And that's why it was close at half. So you have two ways of looking at it. You played a terrible opponent. You couldn't get home in the sack. So that's really bad because if you don't get to these upper echelon quarterbacks, you're in for a world of hurt. And two, even the commanders found some level of success in the first half. Now, did they shut it down in the second half? Absolutely. And that's encouraging. But as we said in the instant reacts, if they start a game playing defense like they did against the commanders in the playoffs, they might dig too big of a hole to come back from. So Mooney Ward said after the game that they started off in man coverage and Washington was having success. They scored on two of their first three drives in the first half. And then Mooney said that Steve Wilkes switched it up to zone in the second half, but he made it look like man coverage. And in the second half of that game, Washington did nothing offensively. So credit to Steve Wilkes for making the adjustment. Uh, I saw Kyle Posey for Niners Nation did an awesome article about Mooney Ward and some of the defense this year. The Niners have been in zone 67% of the time, which is the eighth most in the NFL. Does that shock you? What's your reaction to that? No, that doesn't shock me at all because zone is where I think our linebackers are best. That allows them to kind of have free will and use that speed to cover up gaps. And I also think our safeties play better in zone. Uh, Deshaun Gibson had a very underrated season. He gave up pretty much nothing all year because of that zone. He, I think he's much better in that. If you made him come down and match up one-on-one with somebody, I think he struggles. He doesn't have that ability. But I think his ability to recognize things and get there in time is where he is skilled at. And that's what a zone does for him. And then – I think zone helps you limit weak parts of your of your defense. Right. If you got a weak corner, they can be uh, limited. Their damage can be limited by playing a zone. And I think that's what you do when an Isaiah Oliver. That's what you do when Lenore was struggling at different times this season. You go to that zone, you're able to limit the damage. I completely agree. I think we'll see a bunch of zone in the playoffs as well. Um, Wilkes has been getting it done, man. He took a lot of criticism. That short clip of him in August where I took of him criticizing his defense has like 90,000 views because people thought it was relevant during the year. There was a lot of hate for Steve Wilkes. I think it's worth pointing out like, hey, second fewest points per game, 17.3, which is absolutely incredible. They've given up 218.3 pass yards per game, which is an improvement over 2022. Uh, He deserves credit for that as well. Um, it's been pretty damn good this year from Steve Will. I'm I'm not saying the defense has been bad. They've been good overall. It's just, I feel like there's, there's been times where I don't feel good about the defense that I haven't felt in other years because of, all right, this other, this offense is moving the ball and they absolutely shouldn't be. And I think, I think the pass rush has not been on the same level this year, despite getting chase young, 
getting Randy Gregory. Like the, the pass rush has just not been the same this year. They have not gotten home nearly enough. They can get pressures all they want. If they're not getting home, a good quarterback's going to pick you apart. And we've seen that at different times this year. On Fridays, we close out the week with NFL Network researcher and fantasy analyst Michelle Majuk. Let's start with the little bit of breaking news that we had. John Lynch went on KNBR this morning and said that Trent Williams is expected to play at least some of the game on Sunday, which is surprising to me, Michelle, because Jalen Moore was a full participant in practice yesterday. So I was thinking, hey, if Jalen Moore is out of the concussion protocol, he'll play and that'll clear the way for Trent Williams not to play. But apparently 71 is going to get some run. I don't like that. I don't want him out there. Please don't. Please put him in bubble wrap. Uh, it's especially like he's the least of our worries with being rusty. You know, it's a left tackle, a just that position. You're not too worried about being too rusty. And Trent Williams could old man here could use some break. He could use this two week break. Why? Why put him in the game at all? I don't even care if Jalen Moore can't go. I don't care who's blocking for Sam Darnold. <laughs> like let him get hit. I mean, I don't want him to get hurt or anything, but like. Uh, who cares? Uh, I don't know. I don't like this at all. Do we have any news on if they plan on playing Brandon Ayuk or Debo? Uh, I haven't seen anything specifically about that yet. Um, but Debo told Kay Adams that he's going to play on Tuesday. So at least for a little while, he may get in there. But you would think if there was anybody on the Niners that could use two weeks off, number one at the top of the list would be your 35-year-old left tackle. Um and look, maybe he's only going to play a quarter or whatever. So maybe it's not that big a deal. I just, I get so nervous because he's so important. He's had ankle problems in the past. He's been fighting a groin injury. Um, it is a roll of the dice. I will say if he's only going to play a quarter, then really, what is the point? Right. Like, yeah. honestly, if he's only, if he's not playing the full game, I don't get a single point of him being in ever. Uh, Modelo time, 1999 watching on Twitch. Shout out to the Twitch audience. Uh, why does it feel like a preseason game coming up? Because it is essentially a preseason game. I mean, the Rams aren't playing anybody. They're resting Stafford and cup and Donald and Kyron Williams. The Niners are resting Brock Purdy and, and Christian McCaffrey and a bunch of guys. It's, it is a preseason game. Basically. That's why it feels like one. Yeah, it feels like the Rams are being more careful than the 49ers, and the Rams actually have something little to play for, the sixth seed right. instead of the seventh seed. That is, it's not nothing, right? And maybe they have a preference for who they'd like to play the Cowboys. The Lions are trying to figure that out. But they seem to be completely punting this game and okay with losing. So that's what's even crazier to me. It's not like the Rams are playing all their starters and the 49ers right. are like, okay, we'll keep our starters in for a bit at least and see where it goes and not just give a Rams an easy win. But if the Rams are saying, okay, we're cool with sitting our guys, I just, this Trent Williams playing thing, like I, I get it if Brandon Ayuk's out there a little bit, Debo's out there. You can't sit everyone. Everyone can't rest the whole entire game. But mm -hmm. Trent Williams would be my number one. After Brock Purdy, Trent Williams would be my number one guy to to let sit out this game i completely agree with you um there's a little bit more news on that front but i want to get to this question nick ellert youtube channel member says michelle 100 has had a tamale it came up steph sanchez asked me yesterday if i had a tamale i've never had one sorry and levin thinks this is some crime against humanity i assume you have had one i actually have them in the fridge right now i've <laughs> ate them on sunday we should probably throw them out it's been since friday but i yeah, i love tamales but also i live in houston but i had tamales long before i lived in houston tamales are great what are you doing 
I'm not disputing that. I just never had one. It was, I'm not anti-tamale. Like, let's not, let's not go there. I didn't realize it was going to become a big thing. Levin posted a poll. Uncultured. You're uncultured. Sorry. Again, I'm not anti-tamale. But shout out to Nick Ellert and all our YouTube channel members. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, like Robert Grooms. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. uh, Please consider it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. You get priority comment response. It's a great way to support the channel. Please and thank you. If you'd like a follow on Twitter, I'm happy to give you one. I don't want Vish to get mad at me. By the way, Vish is back from India. So we will be back on Monday doing our show at the regular time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern. So we that's good to go for this Monday. So I'm very excited about that. But become a YouTube channel member, uh, please, and thank you. Some other stuff that John Lynch said on KMBR, Michelle, and this one is a little concerning. He said that the hope is that Eric Armstead can make it back for the playoffs. I don't know about expect, Lynch said, but we hope to. That's a little scary because I feel like Armstead makes a big difference on this defensive line. He does, and I do think in the divisional round, if he still had to sit out that, it would be okay no matter who they're facing. I think once it comes to the NFC Championship is where we get more worried, and that's four weeks out. I mean, unless this injury is... Uh, a terrible one. He should be back by that. This plantar fasciitis, man, it, it can flare up at any time. It's it's very difficult to deal with. It kind of like lingers. It's just, it's this chronic kind of thing that Armstead is going to have to deal with. And he was okay for 12 games this year, but it's flared up on him at the worst possible time. Um, and it, who knows? Uh, honestly, it's a week to week situation. I imagine. Is that the same thing as the Cowboys offensive line had, and then it fully ruptured finally? Um, I know that was similar. I don't know. Cause I heard that like it fully ruptured, but that's actually a good thing, which I didn't quite understand with that, yeah. but I, I wasn't like, you know, deep into that situation. So I'm not totally sure. Um, but you're right. They probably could stretch, but think about it. He's already missed, you know, a month of action. Now he's going to, you know, have three weeks, 21 days, whatever to rest up. And then if he misses the divisional round again, like that's a crazy long time. We're all sitting here like, oh, can we rest Brock Purdy for, for this amount of time? Think about Armstead, how long it'll be between snaps for him. Yeah, but there's certain positions I'm not worried about with the rest, right? It's all about, I feel like it's really just quarterbacks that you're worried about the rust. And if the connection is still perfectly there, because there's so much of rhythm that goes on in the quarterback position. That's the only area that I'd be worried about rust. Uh, when it comes to the other positions, I'm not too scared about it. That's why I would understand if they said Brock Purdy is going to play a couple series, right? Like yeah. a preseason game. I don't understand the Trent Williams thing, but if they did say Brock Purdy, I'd be like, okay, it's not, it's not the same as the Rams situation with them sitting Matthew Stafford because they're playing next week. With Brock right. Purdy, you have two weeks off, which I'm totally, totally okay with them not playing him at all. I really am. But I would understand the logic of them putting him in for a series or two. That's why I'm just really confused about the Trent Williams side of it. Uh, but with Eric Armstead, if he can come back and he's healthy enough, then I'm not worried about rust with him. Gameplan.exe on Twitch says, Rob, it's your fault for not having a tamale. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't make a point to try some. Apparently, I like, maybe I need to get some on the show and try it live on the show to satisfy. It's not like the craziest thing ever. I mean, there's better Mexican food than tamales, but they're good. They're yummy. It all depends on who makes them, too. There can be some really blah ones, man, not very tasty, and some amazing ones. 
And that's why, like, I figured, look, I'm in Connecticut. What are the odds I can find a really good one? Apparently there are. Trader Joe's actually has pretty solid tamales if you have a Trader Joe's around you. Uh, yes, I actually do. Um, another thing John Lynch said, speaking about Brock Purdy. Here's Lynch. Uh, we took a lot into account. One of them being week one in Pittsburgh after not a lot of work in training camp and coming off the bye in the middle of the season helped him. If we can pull back a little, it can help him. We trust in the plan. Brock's on board. Just kind of a lot to unpack there, Michelle. Uh, Brock said yesterday that he initially told Kyle he wanted to play because, you know, he wanted to stay in rhythm and that Kyle brought up like, hey, you were good in week one in Pittsburgh without throwing in the entire offseason, and you were good against Jacksonville coming off the bye week. So, it's like, we have confidence in you to be good. But just the way that those couple of words in there about pulling back a little, I almost wonder if they're worried about the elbow. You know, I've seen Brock on the sidelines this year with that big, giant black thing wrapped around his arm. Brock did say that he took the bye week off to not throw and let his arm rest up a little bit. I almost wonder if the Niners are thinking, hey, let's give that elbow, you know, a couple weeks to sort of rest up a little. Well, not even just the elbow. He's been dealing with the stinger issues. So that's also something to worry about. I think this is a perfect time to get him some rest, let his body rest up, not even just for the elbow, but make sure he doesn't get another stinger and cause us worry then because if we ever have to see Sam Darnold start in a playoff game, I am throwing my TV out the window over a mountain. I'll find a mountain, throw my TV <laughs> off of it. Wow. Well, if you do that, uh, contact me because I love TV shopping. So if you if you decide to break your television, then we're going to go TV we'll shopping. We'll together, you know. We'll find a mountain together and throw off our TVs together if we have to watch Sam Darnold in the playoffs. Can can the 49ers just have a healthy quarterback this year throughout the whole playoffs and get them that Super Bowl ring? Because I think that's the only thing that would hold them back from getting the Super Bowl championship. I really think, honestly, that's what this is about with Shanahan. I think he really deep down in places he doesn't talk about at parties. He thinks if we don't lose our quarterback, we're winning the Super Bowl last year. And so I think he's going into this thinking the one thing I'm not going to let happen to me is I'm not going to let my team lose the quarterback in a stupid, meaningless week 18 game against the Rams. If we're going to lose them, I'm losing them in a playoff game. And I think that he just, he would never be able to forgive himself, even if he intended on playing Brock for only one series and some weird, stupid thing happened where he lost them. I have the stupidest question to ask you of all time that just popped up in my head. All right. Do you somewhat not like having the number one seed because of the bye? Are you somewhat sad you don't get to see him play in the wild card game? Or that it does feel for whatever reason, the number one seed puts extra pressure on teams coming out of that by division around, like they're, they're meant to just like kill it in division around, but you're playing against someone good. So it puts the extra pressure on you. Any part of you that is like, I would like to see my team in the wild card round. No, the weird thing is like, I don't love that They have these two, like that this week is totally meaningless. And then they also have the week of rest. Something in my head is like two weeks off. That's not good. Like danger, danger. Um, but no, I, I will take the first round by just because we've seen how good they are coming off the bye. I keep bringing this up, but the Niners were at the biggest rest disparity of anybody in the league this year. Negative 20 days of rest disparity. And they traveled the second most miles in the league. Only Seattle traveled more than the 49ers did this year. We've seen the real effects of all of that on them. And we've seen how good they look when they have a chance to be well-rested. So I definitely wanted to buy 
the two weeks off thing is scary, but also like, I don't think we remember the times when the number one seeds got the buy and destroyed everybody. Cause that's what they're expected to do. I think we only remember the times where they came out flat a little bit. And so that's, what's scaring me. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks again for giving us part of your time. We do appreciate it. Reminder, again, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific time on 95.7 The Game. It's the Gold Standard Network Hour. Please listen to that. And, of course, live immediately following Niners Rams will be the Instant Reaction Podcast on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch. Hit the little bell if you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You get notified when we go live. We'll break it all down as the playoff picture will become a lot clearer for the 49ers. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll talk after the game. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.